At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And, uh, yeah, we're live. This is... We're uh, live? Yeah, we're, we're live, just from different states and stuff. <laughs> it's just, it's not the same having you sit it straight across the table from me there, buddy. I don't like it either, but you know what? It is what it is. Um, a lot of things actually happened between, oh, see the thing ain't focusing on all my beauty. <laughs> Come on now. The, uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's been a lot went down since this and the last podcast we recorded with Chris, which turned out to be an awesome podcast. If you guys haven't heard that podcast with Chris, yeah, uh, go back and check it out. I think the reason why that podcast was so successful is um, we didn't go into any great detail about anything, but it cut a, covered a lot of general topics that could be applied to a lot more than farming. I agree. And I think it's important to uh, to try and revisit some of that stuff as well. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think it was, uh, I mean, I don't know how many comments we got on that thing about people had no idea that one, farming was that involved. Oh, two, yeah. Farming, Farming uh, affects the prices of so many different, uh, so many different things. Yes. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it was really cool. We got, uh, I'm sure we'll do more podcasts with Chris in the future, but today's podcast, I actually posted on all of our social media sites, just some random question you guys, random questions you guys may want answered that I haven't hit on in the past are uh, possible some topics to cover in the future. And we got bombarded with questions. I think between all the platforms, we got close to maybe 300. That looks about right. I'm I am reading them from your YouTube channel and the podcast YouTube channel. And I am reading them from Facebook and Instagram. So we're going to try to do our best to catch as many of them as possible before we run out of time. So, uh, right. And I should mention that I sound different because, uh, well, I'm on the, the uphill swing of COVID. I just thought you had a beard between yourself and the microphone. No, I, it's, you have it's down ones. here. See, it's a lapel microphone because well, he don't have his real microphone because he had to leave here in such a hurry for some other issues that uh, yeah. some of his equipment is still in in my shop and not uh, not your shop. So, yeah, I'll let you take the uh, I'll let you take the first jab on this one. Oh, do I have to? Okay. Well, first question here on uh, on your YouTube channel one is uh, could you? We're gonna mention who they're from. Sure. Uh, June and Ted Jones want to know: Could you spend more time on the "Quote unquote other world" of your associates, like man behind the scenes, NYA millennial, and captain, and have them explain their current real jobs. Uh, I know you did one, but do a segment with all of them together. That's a that's a great question, and honestly, we get that question quite a bit. And the the honest answer to that is, I don't know if we can, and I'll explain that the best I can. Um, yourself, yeah. Jason. Um, 
Mr. Millennial, you guys, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but you can't legally talk about what you do. No, I've been reprimanded in the past for speaking, quote unquote, too much about my personal job or my professional job, whatever you want to call it. Right. So, and, and, interesting. uh, Mr. Millennials, uh, situation will change in time, but right now he's, uh, legally bound not to talk about it. So it's really hard for us to go into any detail about any of those guys, because, um, we definitely don't want to push the issue and get anybody in trouble, uh, or even skate hot waters with that. So we just, out of respect, stay clear to that. Uh, man behind the scenes, we do have a very in-depth podcast with him about what he does in the boilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you guys want to know, he is allowed to talk about what he's got going on. So if you guys want to go back and uh, check out that podcast, uh, we got a couple with Aaron. And I think one of the first ones we did was about his real job. Yeah. And we actually have plans to do one here in the future, kind of an update, maybe a little bit more in-depth about what's because there's some changing going on in his industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's seeing and let him elaborate on that a little bit. Um, Captain Kleeman, if you guys follow Captain Kleeman, he is able to talk about his job a little bit. He's a professional firefighter, but as far as the details of the job, uh, obviously he's involved in people's lives at probably some of their most, tra- uh, tragic times or traumatic times. Um, and those are stories involve people and out of respect, which I agree with him hundred percent. Uh, he don't want to share those details, nor should he. So it's also, he's able to share what he does, but, um, I wouldn't feel comfortable even asking him about details about that because I, I, I do know some of the details he does share them and they're, um, they're, let me rephrase that. He shares what he can share, uh, legally, but that, that's not made for public. No, platform. it's, it's, that's not story that's time not, stuff. Yeah. Not, not for a public platform at all. So, um, that hopefully that answers answers the question we we try to be absolutely as transparent as we can yeah but we all got limits i guess is the best way to and we're trying to track down captain to sit down and have a different type of podcast with us um yeah because like there, there's Aaron. a whole podcast just about me and captain's relationship right uh, from hell hell we've been working together for closing in on 20 years so mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of history there so yeah and we're gonna have Supposed to have Aaron back on. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with the power grid and everything like that. And, yeah, uh, some interesting stuff going on from there. So yeah, and um, um, we got one here that uh, they'd love to hear more. I'm sorry, it's Hastings Hay and Tree Farm would like to hear more from Farmer Chris and possibly both of the SOTs. Yeah, so uh, Farmer Chris seems to be a pretty popular guy on the show. I think it's just because he's a lot like us. He's just ground roots mm-hmm. and. Um, um, all of our, all of our podcasts with Farmer Chris seem to have success. So I don't, no doubt in the world, no doubt that he'll be back on here sometime. You know, I guess we should say whenever we go to schedule guests, um, schedule. we are scheduled guests. Schedule? I, we schedule uh, people. Well, this is where I'm, I'm follow okay. me, Jason. I'm, I'm trying to go somewhere with this. We are extremely busy and the people we try to schedule is equally as busy. Yeah. So trying to get everybody's schedule to line up is, it's probably fortunate we've got what we've got. I would agree. I think the last time with Farmer Chris, you called him an hour before. And that's only because I think he was on his way here anyways. We just yeah. got him to come early. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, as far as scheduling time with people, it's when we can. I know Chris did mention that he'd be interested in possibly doing that fairly regularly. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which would be great, I think, if we can make it happen. And uh, I'm sure the SOTs will be 
on. Oh, many absolutely. Times. Absolutely. Of course, you know, they live close to me and if this um uh video thing here works out over uh, hopefully this turns out pretty good, which I think it will. It'll make it'll open us up to a few other things. This works pretty good because me and you both got decent audio equipment on either end. Yeah. That if is we true, interview man. somebody without decent audio equipment, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. So it's gonna I'm be gonna difficult, pull, yeah. We'll pull one from uh, Facebook here. This is from Heather Lane. Okay. She says, where do you see your business and family life in in 15 years? 15 um, years. I know. That's a that's a, <laughs> I'm stretching it out there, isn't it? How old? You're old now. Oh, well, yeah. In 15 years, I'll be 55. Wow. <clears throat> Almost 56. Wow. Thanks for rubbing it in there, buddy. No problem. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so in, uh, in 15 years... Both my kids will have graduated high school. Wow. They'll likely be most of their way through college. If they Basically, go to college. Basically, out of college unless we got problems. Yeah. Um, so family life, um, first off, I'm hoping everybody's still happy and healthy and all that good stuff. Um, I would love to see one or both of the kids involved in the business and carrying it on, but I'm not going to force that issue. If that's something they decide they're passionate in or want to be involved in, I'll encourage it. They want to follow their dreams. I'll let them do that. Uh, I don't see us changing locations. I think we'll still be set fast here in Derby. Well, you did um, say that you have the most beautiful view in the country. Yeah. Um, as far as the business goes, I, in 15 years, uh, to be honest with you, I hope I'm to the place to where I'm not retired. But my definition of retirement is doing what I want to, not what I have to. So I help. I hope I'm at least in that position to where I can work as little as much as I want to, um, take on the jobs I want to, and and uh, I enjoy community work too. So I'd like to have time to do more stuff with the 4-H and the Derby Community Association. And I don't think I'll ever be a politician, but I kind of get involved in some of the uh, lobbying stuff a little bit here and there. So I, I can see myself doing a little bit more of that. Uh, I don't see myself growing the business much bigger than what it is. Um, heard you say that before as far as revenue stream goes i mean i don't mean i won't pick up some more equipment here and there because i like pedaling with equipment but uh yeah i hope the i hope i'm doing what i want to not what i have to hope the kids have uh, found their career paths at that point and uh, hopefully jenna's still putting up with me so, now i don't know if that question was directed to me or to you uh so, you got a little bit of a business going on yourself so i'll let you answer as well yeah um 15 years from now, I will be 45, going on 46. Well, actually, in like three days, I'll be 31, so I guess I'll be 46 in 15 years. Um, uh, if everything goes on the path that it's trying to get to now, then I'll be working at a different job down in, in Derby, and uh, I'm hoping to be sitting in some type of a CEO position in 15 years. Um I'd also like to be ready for retirement. That's That's been one of my long-term goals for a long time, actually, is to be able to retire when I'm 45. Probably won't retire, but more like what you said with, um, I want to be able to do what I want to do, not what I have to do every day. Uh, try to grow the, the welding business into something fairly impressive, I guess. Um, realistically, my retirement plan is linked greatly with my career, so I don't think that I would be leaving it in 15 years in pursuit of the welding business, but never say never. Yeah, that that's a good point right there is never say never because 
I'm here to tell you, I've been at this a little bit longer than you, and you got to be you got to be willing to change with the tide or or steer the ship a different direction whenever you see the shore coming. That's it. It's just uh, you know, like I said, where we're looking from today, that I don't think I would be leaving the career that I'm in. But I don't know. I don't know what next year is going to look like. I don't know what next week's going to look like at this point. Um, if if there's more of a fruitful life for my family and my future in my own welding company or whatever other company I decide. I think it's point. It's important to point out that fruitful don't necessarily mean more financially no. viable. No, because fruitful, in my opinion, could also mean that I get to be home with them more. Um, it could mean something financially. It could mean better retirement, better benefits, uh, just overall happiness even. Because uh, that's part of the, the reason that we're moving as well is it's just uh, it's hard to go into this without going into what I do for a living, but it's very stressful right. and um, it's very demanding in the environment that I'm in now because we live in a very busy area. Right. Um, so, yeah, fruitful could mean a lot of things, not just uh, financial gain at this point. I'm I'm long past the point of caring very much about a number of Oh yeah, the uh, the happiest I've ever been in last never I stopped caring about money. Yeah, that's that... Uh, that, that sounds crazy, but it's like once you stop caring, everything takes care of itself. I, it's you still got to be obviously responsible with everything you do, yeah. but um, and I'm not saying that I'm going to go work for free or I want to work for free or anything like that. But uh, a lot of people, and I see this with friends and some family members currently, they're very wrapped up with the dollar sign that they make in the end of the, or at the end of the year, and um, I've. I can't brag much about it, but I've made a, a sizable living for a long time, and I honestly don't care. Um, if I can pay my bills, not have to stress about it, put food on the table, you know, that's it. I don't really care too much about anything else. Right. Uh, moving on to the next one. This is also a Facebook pet, pet, Facebook question. Jonathan Brock. Get this question a lot. It's kind of a dirt question. Uh, technical question. Question, when installing culvert pipe, uh, why don't you use dirt instead of gravel to backfill around it? Don't gravel allow water to soak through, and wouldn't dirt seal it off and pack better? And a um, couple different things here. Good question. So the main reason, so if you're going to use gravel, the ideal gravel to use, it would be a 53 or 73. It's got a lot of lime in it. It will actually pack tight and stop the water from coming through. Uh, that's not always necessary because if you have a little bit of water seep through the gravel, it's not really the end of the world because it's controlled. The gravel keeps it from gaining speed and eroding. The main reason everybody uses gravel is because it don't settle. So if you've got a busy road or something, you can put gravel in there, run over it a few times with the truck, and it's good to go. If you put dirt in there, you will be back multiple times. Uh, filling that back up level, compacting it. A lot of times the dirt, if it's a busy road, will start squishing out the top and you'll end up with a soft spot. You'll never chase it. It's hard on the pipe because the gravel will actually help carry the load around the pipe. The dirt will not. And you don't see gravel going around overflow pipes for that just that reason. There's not traffic on them and the dirt will seal it off. So um, I, basically if some water does seep through it, it's not really that big a deal, to be honest with you, because it's it's no different than water running through riprap. It's controlled. It's not going to carry dirt out or cause a sinkhole or anything um, crazy like that. So um, it, it, it's faster. It's less callback maintenance. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's uh, better. I do know some guys that put like a dirt plug on one end 
uh, for that reason. But uh, we, I don't know how many thousands of culverts I've installed and um, I've, I've just never had an issue with that. It's just never been an issue. That's the, uh, anything you'd like to add to that, Mr. Works a lot? No, that's your forte. <laughs> it's in your name. <laughs> um, I got a question here from, uh, from our good friend, Red Dog. Yeah. Um, he wants to know, do you plan on putting a GPS system on the new 850J? He had noticed two tremble boxes under the cab in a CNC video today. Yeah, so if you guys don't know, Clint at CNC Equipment's got an awesome YouTube channel. Be sure you guys go check him out. We do have plans to have Clint from CNC Equipment on the podcast. Yep. I just uh, I just left Clint's shop, talked to him about an hour and a half ago. Um, awesome, awesome guy. So uh, the government ordered all of the 850Js GPS compatible. Uh, keep in mind, these dozers were ordered GPS compatible back in 09-2010 range. So everything that's on those dozers is long obsolete. That that market, that industry has changed tremendously fast. And a lot of that stuff's integrated now. And I couldn't even buy new stuff to be compatible with this. I'd either have to go find some old stuff that would possibly work, uh, which would be a long shot because nobody knows wants to work on it. And it's just the modeling and everything is way outdated. Now, keep in mind, I'm not 100% diverse in this, but I, I know enough about it to know that much. So will I ever spend the money on the 850J to put GPS on it? No, because that's not a machine I usually run grade with or a machine that I really care about doing anything precise with. I've got that machine for one reason and one reason only, and it's just 100% to hog dirt. Now, um, we are building uh, a tile plow attachment for it. You'll see, I don't know when you listen to this, but you'll probably see some videos coming out on my channel soon. And that will have some sort of grade control on it. Now, I don't think it's going to be GPS starting off, but that is the one thing with that dozer we may do that needs to be precise is, is lay that tile on grade. Actually working with a guy out of Texas. He owns a company called Flaming Dirt. And uh, the whole point of this tile plow, I haven't told you about this. I'll have to fill you in here later, Jason. But the yeah. whole purpose of this tile plow is, is you guys know how I am. I want to do everything on a budget. Um, I don't want to go too far off on a tangent here, but I priced several different tile plows, um, anywhere from 35 to 65, $70,000. I don't install tile for a living, nor do I farm for a living, but I do install a lot of tile occasionally. So I'm hopeful we can build a tile plow attachment for $7,500. They'll do just as good a job as a $70,000 tile plow. And that is going to require some sort of guidance starting off. This guidance is probably going to be laser but it's going to be built in a fashion to where we could possibly incorporate it with GPS in the future. Um, basically the, the valving and the plumbing is all going to be geared towards GPS, but still work with laser. And then we can add a different control unit at some point. If I ever did add GPS to anything to finish that question, um, most likely the first thing I would add GPS to would be an excavator by the 140 or the 120. Really? Uh, the second thing I would add GPS to would be, a small finished dozer. Obviously, right now the D four is the only one I got. Um, but uh, I would uh, the eight fifties would be one of the last things on the list to uh, to add GPS mm -hmm. to uh, for me right now. Anyways, I was thinking the D four would have been your first bet. Well, you got to think with the excavator, like digging a basement floor. Yeah, that's GPS. true. Installing a septic. Yeah. GPS. Installing tile. GPS. Mm -hmm. 
the only thing that I could really do with the dozer I couldn't do with the excavator is run a slope, and I could still, in some within within limitations, I could still run a slope with the right with the excavator if I had GPS on it. I was thinking so, right out of road more or less. Yeah, but most of our roads are are con are on contour, not on grade. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it uh, does. A building pad would be, you know, but we a building pad's a pretty small percentage of what we do. So, right. Uh, uh, there's no doubt that um, if I was going to put, if, if somebody, if a guy showed up right here and said he's going to sponsor me and give me GPS, choose your machine. It'd be the 140. Really? Yeah. Poor old 120. Really? Neglect, well, neglect my baby. The problem's going to be the 120 is not. The 140 is built to have GPS added. Right. The 120 is not. But I like the 120 better. I do, but the 120 is just a brute strength machine where the 140 is. Um, it, it's, it... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's built more for that. So, um, that, yeah, that'd be my choice. Surprisingly. Right, I mean, that's fine. If they come and approach me for free GPS, I'm just going to pick the 120. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, I guess I should pick the 120. Nope. Uh... But uh, I guarantee you, uh, I guarantee it'll probably be on that longer than 140. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Swamp Driver Outdoors. Any plans to expand the shop at home in the future? That's um, that's a great question, and I get that question a lot. I can oh, answer it for you. Um, so never say never. Everybody that comes to visit the shop, the first thing they say, I think you said the first thing, first time you come down here as well, it looks bigger and it's bigger in person. It looks bigger on camera than it does in person. I, man, I would say one day at some point, the shop will probably get expanded. I'd like to put one bay in with a pit mm-hmm. and um, actually build me an enclosed office. I'm sitting in the shop now, but I'm open to the elements. Um, the and elements turn this being into my turn this. What's that? The elements being your climate controlled shop. <laughs> Yeah, be my climate controlled shop, and uh, but you know we do things nasty, dirty, dusty paint down there. Oh yeah, you guys, you know if Aaron's down there working, it's loud. I can't do anything up here that requires audio or or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it would be nice to have a closed off office. It would be nice to have uh, one bay with a pit in it. Um, but as far as where it's at on my priority list, it's pretty low. I was um, going to answer for you and say you don't need to do that because pretty soon I'm going to live there and. Yeah, it's um, pay me to fix all your stuff. You know, my main thing is right now, I want to be able to have a, a project in the shop like Lieutenant Dan or, or, or the tile plow bill on the 850. I still want to have one bay open for something that breaks down or something needs to get in. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I've got that. My overhead crane reaches the entire shop. I can afford to heat and cool the shop being the size it is. Uh, honestly, I would probably build uh, build an actual garage up here, not attached to uh, park lawnmowers and rangers and pickup trucks and minivans that are turned into campers in as extra storage before <laughs> I'd actually build a, build a bay onto the shop would, is what I'd probably do if you're looking as far as, uh, you know, timelines as far as how i would go about go about doing that so now you remember miss jenna listens to this podcast right i didn't say anything about a camper i I know you said a a garage for the vamper vamper which she already owns and has a garage for the vamper (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm you know what i'm saying jason i know and i'm warning you that you're now going to be building a garage for the vamper and it's your own fault so we're moving on okay uh david hill um he wants to know what type of job made you consider a second larger dozer um it seems like you are moving into rocky land for a ripper um so the types of there wasn't a type of job that made me want a second larger dozer uh, the dozer I had, which was the 850B, I knew uh, was getting to an age that it couldn't handle the workload we had. Uh, that dozer already had it, and it was already paid off, so there was no point in getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. So why not add to it and give ourselves more options? So uh, that was kind of the driving force behind getting the second larger dozer was just to relieve some of the pressure off the dozer I already had. And it's really nice having two of them because if we got a bunch of smaller jobs, what it, Cleman can be hopscotching them, no different than what he does with the, the 120. Mm-hmm. Already had it, already paid off, bought the 140. So I can be running the 140. He can move the 120 to the next job. I can be running the 120. He can be moving the 140 to the next job. And with the two 850s, it works out pretty good. Then if we do get a big lake or pond job, we can team them up and go like crazy and get it done. So hopefully in the future, the 850J catches the majority of the hours. Day 50B is there as a backup or, or catch small jobs in the background. We built that big leg up in Corden last year, and it was really nice because while the big do- while the 850J was on that job, the 850B actually traveled around and did the farmer um, Chris Greenbin site, and he also did the uh, motocross track at the fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. So it would have been a crap load of trucking to get those same things done in that same amount of time. The Greenbin site was eight hours on the dozer. The fairgrounds track was four hours on a dozer and the 850J got 72 hours on on the job and was able to stay put and not have to go anywhere. Right. Uh, Cause both of those jobs are time sensitive. The, the fair was obviously a certain week and the uh, grain bin guy was showing up at a certain date. So that's the beauty of having that second dozer. That's maybe not as fast or as pretty as the other dozer is it still gets stuff done and uh, it saves me on trucking, saves me on time. It just improves efficiency um tremendously and mostly because it's already paid for and it don't cost me anything to own it so i couldn't (laughs) go buy a second dozer to do that but since i've already got one man it sure works out nice does that make sense yeah and i think because you and i talked about this a while ago and i'm seeing a lot of people asking the same things about the ripper about a guy that said he would never have a ripper gets a ripper in a couple weeks Um, well okay can i elaborate on that a little bit yeah, I was going to say that you had plans for that ripper frame aside from the ripper, you know. Yeah, so that's what, uh, 
of course i played into the youtube um mm-hmm. whenever i did that job down at matt's whenever i was busting up all that rock i already knew, i'd already made the decision at that point to get a ripper to be honest with you guys the deal was already done and um so i was just kind of giving everybody something to talk about i don't need no ripper because for a long time i've said i don't need no ripper and and i still stand behind not needing no needing the ripper and it because it, 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 it's more in the way than it is the majority of the time but the main reason i got the ripper was because of this top off tile for the frame project <laughs> so i i honestly bought the ripper to repurpose not to have the ripper uh now since i got a ripper am i going to use a ripper absolutely but i don't know if it wasn't for the tile plow I don't think I would have bought the Ripper. Um, no. So, and and then everybody's defense on YouTube is turning in these comments. They don't. They haven't seen the videos of the plow. Oh, I know. Play yet. Yeah. So that's a very legitimate question. Is this the uh, first that you've even said that you've made a tile plow? What's that? Is this the first that you've said that you're making a tile plow? Uh, publicly, yeah. Okay. I, I have posted on Facebook and Instagram pictures. Right. I've been calling it the project. Some people have figured <laughs> it out because I read a lot of the comments. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people have figured it out. I wasn't sure if you announced it or not. So, uh, Alex wants to know if we'll do uh, a sit down with Let's Dig. We we have full intentions to get Let's Dig on. It's it's a scheduling issue. Yeah, it has been for uh, a while now. Mike Snyder wants to know if we'll uh, bring Nuts onto the podcast. He's another one where we he's we got on our list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nuts he actually come to visit here a week or so ago. And again, just the um, just just the the timing has just not worked out. So uh, I hope you guys understand how busy everybody is and uh what goes into us all getting together uh, most of you appreciate that and i i fully understand it so mm-hmm. um so matthew sutherland sutherland wants to know thoughts on Kubota. just happy to listen and learn he says <laughs> oh, dear Lord. So, how much time we got left jason oh god a half hour oh i could i mean you're just gonna have to tell me to quit because i can go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about this so go ahead all right i'm gonna try to sum this up the best i can i got an slv 90-2 which is the first metal skid steer kubota come out with slv 70-2 are the new ones they come out with mine's a 2014 model i think they come out in 2010 or 12 somewhere in out there they've been around for i don't know 10 12 years somewhere in there give or take yeah um sitting in my skid steer operating my skid steer um it's not horrible i don't mind it it's nothing fancy inside the air conditioner is okay the heat kind of works the door rattles it, it does what it's supposed to the power is good traction's all right operating it using it as a skid steer from an operator standpoint i'd probably give it a seven and a half out of ten okay room for improvement the problem i have with Kubota skid steers is the high school dropout engineer they found to design half the stuff on these things. And then they must have found a kindergarten dropout to be a supervisor. And whenever they want customer feedback, I'm pretty sure it goes straight to the paper shredder. Yeah. For it's sure. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to the World of Concrete this weekend. Actually, I just got back in town a couple hours ago. And went to the Kubota booth. Brand new. I'm talking a brand new. The shiniest damn orange orange you've ever seen in your life. SLV 90-2 sitting right there. And here comes the salesman over. He's just proud as a damn peacock of this thing. 
And uh, he goes, what do you think? I said, it's new, but it's still got all the same damn problems. He goes, we made all kinds of improvements on it. Fill me in. He's talking about this and that and do Bob and do Hickey and new windshield wiper and the new headlights. And that poor salesman was nowhere. And uh, I said, so you're not going to change anything. It really matters. He says, what do you mean? I said, you still got the dirt funnel on the back. You still got the damn air conditioner controls underneath the armrest. And I'll be son of a bitch. If you can't still put oil on the damn thing, like I pulled over to the case booth. I said, they're even smart enough to figure out how to put a little bitty fill neck on it mm-hmm. to where you don't have to burn your hands or spill oil all over the engine to get in the freaking engine. Well, we've never had anybody complain about that. I said, oh. I said, bull crap. I've got three videos on my channel that over a million people have seen, and they've got thousands of comments on there, and every one of them is the same thing. I wish they would listen. I wish they would listen. So here's your chance. Start listening. I was asked to leave. So, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, like, how do you go 10 years um, with all these same issues, and they're, they're all relatively simple fixes? Because they don't like, want to listen. Exactly. They're all relatively simple fixes. So we go to the case booth and, and keep in mind, I'm not associated with any of these equipment manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And, um, I told the guy from case, they got the brand new TS 620 there. Biggest skid steering class. This thing's a beast. Uh, I see a lot of things on it. I like, and I told the guy, I said, man, I'm, I, I would can really consider one of these. This is one of the, the, the higher, the one of the, actually, this is the marketing guy for case. Excuse me. I said, uh, Bill, man, I said, I'm I'm seriously interested in this machine. I like a lot of things about this. I said, the only problem I got is 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 it needs a roll-up door. Yep. And he looked at me straight in the eye. He goes, You know what, Mike? That is the most requested thing we get. He said, We are taking that serious and looking into some options. He goes, It ain't gonna happen in the next couple of years, but he goes, We just had a meeting and the survey says roll-up door is pretty high on the priority list. Honestly, I feel like why can't what, you? What, Bill? Hold on. You what? You heard what I said? You're gonna be kidding me, Bill. I'm amazed. <laughs> yeah. Well, sit one of these engineers in this thing and just raise the arm a little bit and shut it off and walk away. <sighs> yeah. Like just, and then maybe they'll consider. Oh, you know, no. Hold on, Jason. We have a lever inside for that. What's it do? It bypasses the oil to the tank, so it will lower. What if okay, so I'm loading. Uh, uh, great, a... I'm just loading a skid on a trailer, and this son of a bitch craps out. So what I do? I lowered it to the trailer. Yeah. Now what? <laughs> you got another button that removes the trailer from underneath the skid? Because that would be a neat trick. <laughs> no, you flip this button, get real skinny, and the door opens in. <laughs> and as Farmer Chris would say, I turned around, I looked at the back window, I looked down, and said, "Ain't gonna happen." <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah. Okay, so your little lever works in certain situations, genius, because, you know, you never have your bucket over anything like a truck or trailer. Or a stump. I mean, that's how or I in Chris's in case, In Chris's case, he went six years without using it, and the damn thing was froze up, stuck. What, the door or the lever? No, the emergency release lever. Oh, that's not new. No, it's uh, been out. Mm. It's been in them for years and years and years, but it, it's not a... It's not as bulletproof as a roll-up door. No. Which just, I don't know. The only th- the only way that you can convince me you can fix that problem without a roll-up door is the JCB teleskid. Yeah, or put a, a, a hatch in the in the roof, but 
Um, anyways, we're getting off subject here a little bit, but that's my that's my issue with Kubota is just they're, they they don't care about consumer, they don't care about mechanic, they care about functionality. They do have decent functionality, but um, never say never. I'm never gonna say never, but highly unlikely I'll buy another one. You seem to love them so much. It's the same problem I have with the the Takakuchis, to be honest with you. They're just a Kubota with a different cab and color. Pretty much, yeah. Somebody's going to crucify me for saying that. But it, the, you look underneath the hood of a, a, a taco and you look underneath the hood of an orange. They're the same. Same. Once you pull once you pull the peeling off, it's the same thing. I'm convinced uh, either company makes their own, so. Yeah, they. And I mean, you know, tacos talk about how they're their only purpose-built track machines and they do have a nicer cab. Their roll-up door is a little bit different. There is differences. I do think a taco operates smoother and better. It's a much more controllable machine. Yeah. It has a much better feel to it, but it's the same damn engine. Mm-hmm. It's the same concept of the platform. Pretty sure it's the same valve uh, body, too, and pump. They have a better, they still have a dirt funnel. They just have a bigger opening at the bottom. Yeah. I mean, their air conditioner controls are better. They're in, you know, they're, some of that stuff's the same. So if I was picking my uh, poison, I'd pick Takahuchi. Yeah, um, I would too. I would too. Yeah. So, well, um, Gordon Ryan go. has a really good question here. Yes, sir. Uh, Gordon Ryan said, please do a podcast on Jason. Thanks. <laughs> we, we kind of did a little bit on our, uh, we're back podcast. We covered about as much of it as we could, didn't we? Yeah. I'm, I'm really boring guys. I hate to tell you this. <laughs> That's not much that's I can why talk you about. got me. Now I now I get the rest of the story. What? Uh, so that's that's why you got me. So. Oh yeah, pretty much. I mean, you're entertaining. <laughs> I don't know why people <laughs> not, are listening. Not because I'm knowledgeable and have a useful opinion. I'm just entertaining. Yeah, what you said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike Griffin wants to know if we ever hire one hit wonders from out of town. Uh, Mike, oh. to be honest with you. Not really. We got a pretty close knit little people we we work with. Um, never say never. I've reached out to some people to help me with the interior and some specialty things on stuff. But if you're just want to show up here and and hope you can work a day with us, um, we. I mean, you've been around here long enough, Jason. You, it's hard telling what we're going to be doing that day. Yeah. So actually scheduling something is just shy of impossible. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I hate to have a guy come in from out of town to work on one thing. I get a phone call. We're going a different direction. It, it, it's just not quite that simple um, to make that to make that happen. So, Cody Ward wants to know what you think about uh, the John Deere three 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 G with a dozer blade. All right, so John, I actually checked this thing out in um, checked this thing out in in depth. No, no, his name's yeah. Cody. What's that? His name's Cody. Cody, I'm sorry. Yeah, John. Check Deere's this. Oh, I was reading the one from um, uh, John here. So, I actually, it's a, it's a it's a machine I'm very interested in because it has the Yamar engine in it. It's got high, um, has a lot of a lot of uh, high reviews on it. So I went to the John Deere booth and uh, put my head underneath the hood. And first off, I sat in it. It sits up high. It's got good visibility. I'm not 100 percent for sure. I like the way the arms are built, but um, no major complaints. Uh, set it like, hmm, not bad. Opened the little back hood on this thing, and I thought, what in the hell have they done back here? This has got to be the no. Slam the door down. I'm like, I'm out of here. This is this is worse than Kubota. Nope. And um, one of the salesmen stopped me, and he says, "What's your concern?" I said, "How are you supposed to work on this damn thing?" 
He says, I got you right here, my friend. I'm like, well, I'm all ears and eyes. And what kind of magic trick are you going to pull? I'll tell you what, this thing guy was David Copperfield or something because he worked a freaking magic show. So they've got this thing built where the little hood pops up. Where right. underneath the hood, they've got Kubota, take note, oil fill tube, <laughs> hydraulic fill tube, coolant fill tube. No kidding. Air conditioner, like everything that you need to check or service on that machine is right there underneath that little hood. And I'm like, okay, I see where you're going to this, but somewhere down that damn hole, there's an engine, right? He said, oh, yeah. So where the arms are up or where the arms are down, there's two panels on each side. You just unclip them and they pull out. And if the arms really? are up, you have full access to both sides of the engine. I'm like, oh, well, that's pretty nice. I can deal with that. He goes, oh, I ain't done yet. Takes out two screws. The cab stands straight up. What? The only thing going over top of the engine at this time is just a little bitty six-inch bar that the cab's attached to. I'm like, holy shit, I can see everything. He's like, oh, I ain't done yet. I'm like, what? There ain't nothing else to go. <laughs> well, the foot boot is a big fiberglass tub. You take four bolts out of it, it comes out. I'm really? like, no way. So I'm like, close it up. I'm writing a check right now. I'm sold. So he closes it up, and I hop in, and... Oh man, it's got a damn swing door on it. <laughs> yeah. So basically, so case I told and the guy, I said, you give me more of the roll up door option. I'll write you a check right now. He goes, nobody in the industry is requesting those, sir. I'm like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> it's on your damn. Oh, it says John Deere. I could have swore it said Kubota. <laughs> in the conversation. You think, um, so I got an idea here. With my welding. Door. So, anyways, hold on. This thing had a dozer blade on it. Okay. So, what's really cool? What is really cool about uh, John Deere Cat? They're all doing it now. Not Kubota because he ain't smart enough, but the rest of them are. <laughs> we're gonna get a hit piece. It's the truth. Yeah, we're gonna get a hit piece from Kubota. Huh? <laughs> Nothing. Go ahead. I can't help it. They can't even figure out how to put oil in their damn engine. You really want them to put an integrated grader blade, grader blade on the front? Not particularly. Yeah. No. Not gonna happen. So, anyways. So what John Deere and a few of them have done is they've integrated these attachments into their equipment. Mm -hmm. So if you plug this dozer blade into the electrical connection, the machine knows you have a dozer blade on it. It can changes the controls for the machine to be a dozer. Awesome. Hmm. It's really cool. Problem. It's a skid steer, not a dozer. <laughs> you don't change that. I kind of cherry. Like you don't change question. weight distribution. You don't put steel tracks on it. It don't do. It don't make it a long track. It don't do a lot of those things. So. In certain scenarios, it would be helpful and beneficial. Uh, you are not replacing the D4 with this thing. It just ain't going to happen. No. Uh, now, the problem I have with this integrated equipment is John Deere's dozer blade and John Deere's skid steer, they work awesome together. They are happily married. Mm -hmm. I got a Kubota skid steer, and I want to use the John Deere dozer blade. I have a damn paperweight proprietary attachments yeah so cat has an awesome greater attachment looking at this thing staring it up and down like hell yeah i could use that thing guess what cat only it's got an anti-kubota clause in it so and then and then that drives the price through the roof so i'm sure at some point there's going to be some smart guy that's smarter than any any, any engineer at john deere or caterpillar because the smart guys don't work there no and he's going to find a way to make a communication box to where you can plug. You buy their attachment, you can plug it into whatever you want. It's not there yet. Um, 
I, I see the huge, huge, huge benefits of this integrated equipment. I mean, it's it's really cool. But they need to get on a they need to get on a standard standardized platform, or they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. I, that's just my opinion. Um, so uh, that was a long way around to answer that question, but I hope I I hope I got to it. I mean, what I got out of it is I need to take my welding business and figure out how to make roll up doors that are universal and you know you could put on anything. Yeah, that well the the. The the Kubotas and the Tacos have a, a flat face front, and they got a lot of their controls either up or down. Right. They're like Case and um, New Holland, which is the same, and and uh, Cat and John Deere. They got a curvature front. They got their door. The door is narrower, and they got stuff going down each side. So there's a lot more to it than just the door. Like the cab. I mean, I understand it's just not as simple as throwing a roll up door on there. There's 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 other things that have to be rearranged and re, and, right. and placed to to make it work but i mean doable. i'm i'm a firm believer the reason Kubota and tacos have sold as many as they have is they have a roll-up door the case guy confirmed it so why is john deere and cat denying it's a reality do they not do they did they did they did they survey a different country than the rest of these guys no i mean probably i was in the damn john deere booth and the guy next to me i said something about a roll-up door and he's over there shaking his head like heck yeah i'm like come on <laughs> Well, you're the only two. We are not the minority. (laughs) (laughs) And you got you guys that run this equipment for years that are hard, fast on open doors. They haven't ran anything else, and they haven't been like Farmer Chris that was stuck in one for three hours roasting like a chicken. Mm -hmm. So that's that's that. So uh, Ian Coleman's got a question. Managing employees and their personalities. Uh, He said he's grabbing popcorn for this topic. Oh, boy that's um that's an art that is an art that's all you um i don't even know where to go or start on this one um to be a boss you need to be a therapist yeah um you need to be able to read people you need to be able to read body language you got to be as fair as you possibly can to everybody but you also have to know everybody's strengths and weaknesses and play to them uh in being transparent um uh, I don't think it's a huge, um, Aaron, Ms., man behind the scenes and Mr. Millennial are not best friends. Never will be best friends. They have a lot of differences. Mm-hmm. One drives the other one nuts. And, um, I just tell them, Hey, you're driving them nuts. Knock it the hell off or let them have this win. Move on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to call me the mediator in that scenario, but I, if I see an issue developing, I don't let it fester. Yeah, I try to get a revolution, a resolution to it as quick as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, you get on these bigger jobs, uh, with, you know, 75, hundred employees. It's just, you, you see the guys that work well together. You try to group them together and you try to make, cause not everybody's worked in the same spot. So you try to kind of segregate them out a little bit in, in groups. They can get along. I mean, Everybody has different personalities. Everybody has good days and bad days. There's some days that I want to wring Aaron's neck, and there's other days that he wants to buy me lunch and have a good time. Uh, it's um, it it does seem to get a little bit easier the the longer you manage people, the more experience you get at it doing it. So you kind of can see stuff coming and fix it for it's for it is a problem instead of dealing with the problem. Correct course. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's 
that's probably the biggest thing is is trying to trying to head them off before they come a problem i guess and being fair and transparent and and working to everybody you know aaron's a welder aaron's got bad knees working on footers kills him uh i try to do everything i can to keep the workload and his specialty and in his comfort zone um for example i guess you know matt's better with the numbers and sometimes he gets run a little wild and you got to rein him in and Sometimes I got to remind them neither one of them's the boss. I am. Um, <laughs> and then they remind you that's not actually true. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But that, that, uh, Ian, I hope that answers your questions. That's the, that's the, um, uh, best way I know to generically answer that is, is try to try to fix the problem before it becomes a problem. Yeah. So. Tech and gaming wants to know, is Lieutenant Dan going to be done for the 2022 dirt season? Oh, good God. All right. So to answer your question, possibly, but highly unlikely. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. I need to specify that Lieutenant Dan is a project build. Mm -hmm. It's something I do whenever I got time and I want to enjoy it, take my time doing it. I don't want to rush it uh and hurry up I, I i don't have to have it on a job it's not a necessity would it be nice to have on some of these jobs we do absolutely but i'm not gonna half-ass this thing together to get it to, to rush it to a job you know what i mean so i know everybody on the internet is is really intrigued with this build which is really cool but i don't want to hire it out i want to work on whenever i get time and we make progress on it the, the one reason we made much progress on it the first time we did it is me and Aaron were both quarantined. So we had two weeks here in the shop just to hammer it down on it. We couldn't do nothing else. Right. Uh, fortunately, that hasn't happened again. So now it's hit and miss. And we got this other project in the shop now, which is it, it's it needs it has to go this spring to pay for itself, the tile plow. So mm-hmm. and Dan don't have to go this spring. So I had to take a back seat to it. We're just about done with that project. The other one will come in. So, um, I want it done just as much as the next guy, but I'm not going to cut any corners to get it done. Yeah, you want it done right. It, it's turning out way too nice. You've seen the build in person. It's pretty I damn like impressive. It. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. I mean, uh, everything it, except for that category. Uh, you know, if, and if anybody, if this thing ever makes a truck show, I don't want somebody to say, well, what the, what were they thinking? You know what I mean? Like that carrier bearing is twisted. <laughs> That's exactly what they're going to say. Oh. <laughs> uh, Oh, uh, so I promise, guys, it uh, it's coming. It's coming along. So Stephen Lineley asks, given the guys, given that you have said the guys that work for you don't actually work for your U.S. employees, how do you handle something like workman's comp claim when those guys are actually hurt or on the payroll? Um, so technically what the guys that work for me are is contract labor. And uh, all the guys that work for me uh, carry health insurance plans that allow them to be contract labor. But I do carry workman's comp. Um, and, and as a backup plan or a major emergency, they would be covered underneath my workman's comp. Uh, these guys are all my good friends. And uh, if something was to happen to them, I want to make sure I did everything I can to make sure that they're taken care of. So I do not... Um, I don't cut any corners in that department. I got workman's, I got health insurance on myself and workman's comp on myself. All those guys have got health insurance that covers them as contract labor. And then 
they could possibly default onto my workman's comp. Um, the problem is whenever that scenario comes into play is it's out of my control or whoever's control got hurt because the lawyers start arguing about it. But uh, if the lawyer, if the argue, if the lawyers start arguing that I'm responsible, then my workman's comp picks it up basically is what it, what it comes down to. So um, I still do have, Contract labor in some aspects still can be considered payroll. Uh, it, a lot of it comes down to the state you live in and how you itemize it out. I don't want to go into all the details about that, but basically I do carry I do carry workman's comp. It's an extra expense we carry, but um, I do. I do. So you've got the next one there. Works a lot. Yeah, I got one. Um, I've been trying to think of how to answer it, but I'll let oh, you boy. go first. Around Arno, wants to, what was your most difficult or challenging job or thing that you did related to work, and why was it difficult, not only for DP but also for Jason? So the most difficult job we have done in a long time, um, probably the most difficult job I ever did was never YouTubed. It was it was building a 17,000-square-foot, multimillion-dollar home that had a bazillion corners and radius walls and rotundas and all kinds of things. Probably the most difficult job that I ever filmed was the still building demo demo at um, the can clay can clay complex. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't technically have the right equipment for that job. It was kind of a high stakes job. Uh, I whenever I bid the job, uh, I had a man lift. The job fell through. I sold the man lift. The job reappeared. No man lift. Uh, I had a very tight deadline that needed to be done. And uh, Aaron was all gung-ho about cutting build beams and watching stuff fly. And I'm like, no, we're going to uh, go about this a little bit more methodically. The the the, build, the plan went perfect. You know, the notching and the falling and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But uh, that was a pretty, pretty challenging one. Um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of excavating involved. There was just a lot of thinking and, and you know, kind of predicting the future a little bit, I guess. Uh, is the best way I know to do it. You know, some of these ponds and lakes get a little bit challenging, but it's a different kind of challenge. Like it's not somebody's going to get hurt or a building's going to burn down, catch fire. It's like we got a mud hole. How are we going to work around it? Worst case scenario, something stuck and you pull it out. That's a different level of challenge than right. You know, setting a three hundred thousand square foot building on fire, then somebody smash with a beam or or something like that. So, um. That's probably my the two that the two that come to the top of my head right off the bat. That's the two. Um, I guess for me, well, uh, without getting into what I do, I work with some very specialized machinery, um, and every year or so around this time, we slow down with our production season, and I got to overhaul all the equipment. Um, this year in particular has been very difficult. Uh, I don't have difficulty doing the work or anything like that. I have difficulty dealing with the politics of my employer. Let's put it that way. Um, I have seven or eight different people that I need to talk to to just do my job before I can do my job. Uh, When in reality, I'm the only person trained to do my job. So why am I talking to you about doing it? You know what I mean? Right. Um, And then I got that doesn't even... I got to schedule what shop I'm going to use because we have locations in many different states at this point. 
Um, I need to figure out where the funds are being allocated from, which somehow becomes my responsibility. Uh, I need to figure out what department's going to pay for the labor, and then I need to get them all talking with each other, and then I need to figure out a lot of these parts come from overseas, and we're in shipping shortages, and I gotta, I gotta solve all of these logistical nightmares before um, I logistics. Can, I mean, doing yeah. the job's easy part. So logistics. That's the truth. Before I can even pick up a wrench and start doing something physically, all of these questions have to be answered. And oh, by the way, each one of these machines is 142 feet long. It's like 120,000 pounds. There's two of them, and uh, I've been doing it by myself up until a week ago. And that sucks. And also, they have to be done by the third week of February. And we started in the second week of December. <laughs> so Yeah, uh, that would all make a whole lot more sense if everybody knew what you actually did. Yeah. But, um, but it, you know, you bring up a good point. You know, even with what we do, sometimes the logistics of it is more difficult than actually doing the job. Yes, and... And this goes back into earlier when I mentioned why one of the reasons that we're moving, and I'm looking forward to working for the same thing that I work for now, but a very small company in comparison. Um, the company that I'm, I've gotten hired to out in Indiana has 10 employees. The company I work for now, I think, has 18 or 19,000 employees, and they're nationwide. Yeah, um, whole different, whole different ball game. Yeah, and at some point in time, I'm hoping once I move down there, I can talk about all the things that I've done while I lived up here. Uh, I think it'd kind of be a, a similar situation to where Matt's at at that point where a certain amount right, of time would have right. to expire. Right. But, yeah. Um, Robert Boel wants to know, if you could only own one piece of equipment, what would it be and why? If I could only own one piece of equipment, um, it would probably be um, a twelve to 18,000-pound excavator. That's what I was going to say, mid-size excavator. Mid-sized excavator. Um, you could do small jobs. You could do large jobs. Um, you could do a lot of the same stuff you do with a skid steer. It just take you longer. Mm -hmm. uh, you got just as many as attachments as a skid steer, but more versatility with them. Um, so I, um, I also think it's easier to become a skid steer operator than it is an excavator operator. So I think you got less skilled competition in your realm of work. Yep. So um, if I can only own one piece of equipment, it would probably be somewhere between the 304 and a 308 um, size machine or a 12 to 18,000 pound excavator. I think it's just the, it's not going to be, like you're going to be frustrated with some of the jobs you're going to do. It's not going to be the ideal piece of equipment, but it, but that piece of equipment still can get that job done. I think um, I also just recently watched Neil Koch's uh, backhoe. Oh, the backhoe? Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of comes to mind as well here. Um, depending on what I think I'm going to be doing with the equipment, and I don't want to pick the question apart too much, but it would be if I have to do a lot of traveling. Yeah, I guess I guess I answered that question as in if I had one piece of equipment in my business model. Right. But um, maybe I need to broaden that out a little bit. If you know, if I was a farmer or yeah, something like that, it would it would probably be the, the rate you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah, because to me, it's either going to be like you said, a mid-sized excavator, because that's where my mind went first as well. But then I thought a little bit more about it. Well, I just sold my excavator and. 
pretty sure I'm going to buy backhoe because I don't want to travel yeah. around the property. I'm just going to drive the backhoe, you know? Well, and I mean, you know, the backhoe, you do have the front end, the front end loader option. Right. But then again, it's also on the way for some other stuff. So it's a, right. it's a give and take. So, yeah, I think I'd either go 308 excavator type size or like a 410 John Deere backhoe. Yep. Yeah. The, I, either one of those are good choices. I, I guess if you wanted to put them in a, category i think it would be mini x and maybe backhoe and skid steer tied depending on what you're doing i'm still i'm gonna pick a backhoe before i pick a skid back steer. over skid steer yeah i probably would too especially um, if you can get a quick attach on the backhoe yeah then the skid yeah. steer is really almost pointless yeah and if you have auxiliary hydraulics on the backhoe it could be dangerous like the 410 that comes with them on the front and back there you go. There you go. <laughs> I have uh, Robert one. Lackey wants to know, is Lieutenant Dan replacing the C8500 or is there going to be another tandem when the time comes? Um, the C8500, so yes, Lieutenant Dan will replace the C8500. Um, the C8500 truck-wise is in pretty good shape. Bed-wise is getting pretty rough. Uh, I don't I don't want to put the money into the truck, but it's still a good usable truck. Like if farmer Chris wants to buy it for a farm truck. So honestly, the, if there, if there was a rush to get Lieutenant Dan done, it's to get it done before the C8500 takes a crap. And I can't, I got to put money into it to get rid of it. I'm probably already going to have to put brakes on it to get rid of it. Um, so to answer the rest of the question is if I have Lieutenant Dan, and I still need the, I still see the need for a tandem or a smaller truck than Dan. Uh, I would consider buying another tandem, uh, but I don't think I will keep the C8500. Um, if I keep Lieutenant Dan and the triaxle setup still works good, but I still think I need another truck, I would probably buy another triaxle before I bought another Lieutenant Dan just for the on road capacity. Ultimately, what I think is going to happen is uh, i'm hoping lieutenant dan works good enough on an off-road that uh, if i buy something else i may actually buy an off-road dump truck uh and that would be the driving factor for a larger excavator one day if i ever did but um but yes to answer the question in a, in a long roundabout way most likely lieutenant dan will replace the c8500 and then we'll determine what the need is from there uh moving forward so um i think we got time for probably one more um, I'll let you. I'll let you choose it. All right, I got to go in here from Dan Severn. Um, said, uh, "How about talking about how you planned and built and set up your shop, and if there's anything you'd have done doing it differently today, anything you'd have done differently doing it today?" And he did mention that he did watch the shop tour videos, but he said you're looking for ideas, and he thought, you know, um, if there's one thing that you can think about that you'd do differently now, knowing what you do that's uh that's a great question of course whenever i built this shop the rest of the building looks completely different than what's here now what a lot of people don't realize is there used to be three garage doors coming into here now there's only two um probably the number one thing i would change if i was going to do it all over again is two large overhead doors instead of one um you mean the full height one yeah 12 but uh, they're uh, 14 by 12. My big right. door is 14 by 12, and the other doors are 8 by 10. Okay. Well, there's only one other door now, 8 by 10. Um, 
I would probably put two 12 by 14 doors in. Um, the other thing that I may consider doing different is I would have put a pit in uh, one of the bays. Um, I have no desire for a lift, um, but, I, but I, there is times I wish I had a pit. Now, why didn't you put a pit in? At the time, it was probably a budget issue, and I had no idea what I was getting into whenever I built this shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at that time, the biggest piece of equipment I owned was a U35 Kubota and an old Ford 7000 dump truck. Right. Uh, I mean, I had dreams of it getting here one day, but uh, it was a pretty far-off reality. It's also a lot of uh, concrete. What's that? It's a lot of concrete. Yeah. Um, a lot of so I don't, uh, I have, you know, the crazy part is you've seen my shop. You've seen mm-hmm. what we do here. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no regrets about what I have. I mean, w- with the exception of the low boy trailers, I can fit everything I own in the shop. Yeah. I say you're pretty well equipped. Uh, and I got, um, and with it being the size it is, it makes it affordable to heat and cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what, if I add on one bay that direction in the future, I just hit everything on my wish list. I'll put another big door in. I'll put a pit in. Yeah. And I'll get an office as a bonus. Very true. Um, you can make it long so, enough to get the detach too. Yeah. So um, uh, the, the the things that I did right was the ceiling height. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that's uh, something that's overhooked quite a bit in a shop is uh, ceiling height. You're what, 19 foot ceiling? I'm 19 foot ceilings. My ultimate goal was with the overhead crane in here, I wanted 14 feet between the crane and the right the bottom of the crane and the floor, which um, I think I'm about 15. The actual crane itself, I'm like 17 feet. Yeah, but but then, the, the, then the trolley hangs down on it and the actual right. lifting. I got 15 feet of lifting ability. Let's put it that way. Which is plenty. Um, uh, probably, but though, ironically, probably my biggest regret in this shop and the number one, first thing I would change is I would have put a, a bulletproof firewall between it and my house. So if one or the other would burn, it right. really wouldn't affect, uh, that's, um, whenever I originally built this shop, my house was supposed to be my office. Right. It, yeah, firewall would still be nice, but I ain't put any extra effort into that. Well, we added on 4,000 square feet and now I got a very nice home on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I do have eh, a firewall, but it is not, it's not, I mean, right. it's not an ICF wall. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. A concrete wall that goes all the way up through the roof. It's the, the two, two by sixes with air or dead air space in between. yeah it's got yeah. the rock so far retardant insulation in there then it's got a layer of five eighths drywall on it mm-hmm. uh so i mean there there there's something there but that's probably like if you showed up here with a genie and i could change one thing about my shop that's probably the first thing i would choose right um second thing would be an extra bay third thing would be a pit fourth thing would be a new air conditioner priorities <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh uh but but i mean in the big scheme of things i've worked out of this shop for 12 13 years and uh man it's it's hard for me to have any complaints for it i mean everybody everybody always wishes it was bigger this that and the other and i've been very very content right wonderful shop so i mean i'd say you did it well 
Yeah, uh, very, very, very content. So we still have a lot of questions we didn't get to, Mr. Works a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe we'll have to uh, have let everybody comment down below and see if this is something they want us to do again. It's pretty cool kind of going through here and yeah, uh, catching a lot of these questions and kind of catching some stuff. You guys let you guys uh, interact with us on the uh, podcast a little bit. Yeah, I just posted this like two days ago and this podcast will be out tomorrow, right? I'm going to do my best to get it edited tonight and scheduled for a regular post. Yeah. Uh, well, the the point was there is uh, unlike my YouTube channel, it's pretty oh, yeah. current. <laughs> it's, it'll be current, that's for sure. <laughs> and then there, I mean, we have some ideas written down for other. And then you're traveling soon, so you yep. might be talking to some fans. Yeah, well, hopefully, if everything goes as planned, I'll be interviewing Matt from Diesel Creek next week, and uh, maybe a couple guys from Work Brow if possible. Right. So. um That'll be a good one. Uh, I'm heading to uh, Florida. Uh, may possibly be able to sneak you one in with Chris. If not, I know I'll get Clint from CNC Equipment for sure. Right. Dirt Balls is going to be down there, and Hank from Hamiltonville Farms is going to be down there. So uh, if time permits, I may try to grab uh, those guys and do something with them as well. So, um, yeah. It's, it's going uh, to be a good second season. Yeah, so far we're clicking along here pretty good. You guys seem to be enjoying it, and as long as you guys are enjoying it, we're going to keep doing it. Yep. So I think that's going to be a wrap, Mr. Works a lot. I'll uh, get editing now. Sounds like a plan. Appreciate it, everybody. Thanks for listening. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.